Hi guys, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will. You guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo, which always needs challenging. But do not forget to like and subscribe to The Church Split. And of course, uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. And if you're going to leave us a one-star review, roast us in your review. Uh, I would like to be roasted. (laughs) That won't be hard. And clearly, guys, we don't have uh, Brian with us today. We have Vincent. Hello. I've been here before. Yes, you have. Can you say at least, what's up, heretics? Yeah, what's up, heretics? There we go. All right. Someone's got to do it. Um, So now, uh, many guys have probably, if you're very familiar with our channel and you watch every single episode... Then you might recognize uh, Vincent from before, although I think last time you didn't have nearly as good of a beard. That's true. Yeah, it's been quite an evolution. Yeah, you like now you look like a lumberjack. <laughs> it's awesome. So many guys uh, may have watched our previous interview uh, with him, where which was make missionaries theologians again. Vincent is a missionary to a closed country that we cannot name. Can I give an update? Yeah, go I'm ahead. Like, yeah, yeah. So um, just to like give a little update since, and I came on right after I. Um, resigned from my former church, and that was kind of the background behind that episode. And since then, um, for like the viewers of the church split, just want to let you know we've reached our full support and a significant portion of that support. I think around thirty to forty percent of that has come from viewers of the church split. So from viewers like yeah. you, and so I just want to say thank you guys, like for real. Um, the church split has been a huge blessing to our family, and it's been like a. During that hard time, it's been a, a huge encouragement. You guys have been. That's awesome. When you told me that, that like 30 to 40% of your support comes from church split listeners, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so basically, they uh, they heard your rally cry, and they're like, well, the IFB won't take them. We, we will. will. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just awesome, because that's all part about the mission here, right? Uniting the divided body, working together. Mm-hmm. But he is going to a closed country. We cannot say the name of the country on here. We can't even say his last name on here. Um, so if you want to get in in contact with Vincent, or if you want to support him personally or financially, uh, please email us at thechurchsplit at gmail.com, and we can get you that information that you might or may not need. So, um, but yes, he will be going to a closed country. Uh, you're actually, uh, yeah, one that you've been to. I lived there for three years. Yeah. So uh, I was like, how much can I say? I don't know. Uh, But all right. So with that being said, today is actually a really important episode. And uh, Vincent, uh, originally, we were talking about doing this, what, like last year? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't the right time. Right. Plus, you were like, I'm going to be there. I'm going up. Let's do this in person. I was like, I agree. Now, uh, Vincent and I have been friends. Man, I think I've known you since you were seven years old, eight years old. Probably 10. Really? Yeah, I was in foster care at 7. We're going to get into that more later. Oh, you didn't yikes. know me before then. Okay, so. all right. So I knew you were, since you were about 10. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. So I've known Vincent for years, most of his life. And uh, it's funny because we were we were friends, and then we weren't friends, and then we were really good friends. Yeah. And then we kind of like stopped being friends, but not really. We are friendly, and then now we're besties again, so it's yeah. weird. It's, we have a very roller coaster relationship. It's true. It's just you're a heretic. It <laughs> really is what I want. <laughs> well, I wasn't ready. Frankly, you're just unbearable. But. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, guys, so what we're going to do today is a, a while ago, we, I mean, a while ago, we did a 
podcast called Victim Culture is Anti-Gospel. We explored victim culture, which was kind of a response to some of my comments I made in our Eric Skorzynski Leaving the Faith, the Preacher Boys Leaving the Faith episode, where I said that I am sick and tired of victim culture. You know, a lot of people go through things. We've been through things. But no matter what, and I understand it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, but no matter what, you have to find a way to get over it. Not saying that you just get over it. Go see a therapist. Go do these things. I said that. Like, go see a therapist. But what? no matter what, you have to find a way to get past it. Because if you don't get past it, you know, the, the, essentially the abusers win, right? Yep. Yeah. So many of you guys know my story. Uh, I've told my story on here. Uh, I've told my story also on my brother's podcast, uh, Rising Above with David Hess. Um, my, my story, real quick, just I experienced every form of abuse by the time I was 10 years old. Uh, my mom went to jail. Uh, there was a lot of physical abuse in my home. Um, there was, it, was just, it was a good situation. Um, now, however, uh, all those, a lot of those relationships have been repaired. Like me and my dad have a good relationship now. And you know, my sister and I, my brother and I have re, are really well connected. So it's, all these things are really it's really good, but one of the things that has bothered me and since you're past uh, from your your ex IFB as well like me, mm-hmm. is a lot of people experience abuse and some of it's more like abuse and then other people have experienced actual abuse, right? Um and they kind of use this as like kind of a crutch or they they wallow in it so to speak mm-hmm. and they don't understand really the fact when we're talking about victim culture and why that's so damaging, they don't understand the m- mindset that you kind of have to have in order to get past it, in order to survive. Um, but with before we can really flesh that out, you have to tell your story because otherwise people are going to be like, why should I listen to this bearded Viking <laughs> who is a dweeb uh, yeah. about anything, <laughs> right? So because um, that's one of the things I've heard many times when I'm talking to people. Well, Will, you just don't understand what I've been through. And then if I start telling parts of my story, I almost see the ground fall from underneath them because it's like, no, I do know. It's just you have to – I believe my own advice because yeah. this will help me. So with that being said, um, would, would you be able to tell us uh, for a little bit about your story, kind of walk us through it a little bit, take as much time as you need, and we'll just explore whatever concepts we need to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, first of all, if you have children watching, this is going to be graphic. So – um, Turn it. <laughs> <laughs> Change episodes. Yeah, yeah. So Come back later. Just, you know, just be prepared. Also, if you've experienced sexual abuse, this is going to be a lot. And so if you are prone to like, you know, I, I hate using the word trigger, but if you're trigger prone warning. to like trigger warning, if you're prone to like stuff like that, um, you know, like just be careful, you know, just, just know that stuff like that is going to be in the near future. And then so the, the, as I kind of explain it, when all the Eric stuff went down, um, Will had mentioned, like, you know, a lot of friends had reached out and was like, hey, let me tell my story. Like, I'm behind you. This is, you know, this is bull crap. Like, and, and I was one of those friends. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I want to tell my story. And then as we go on, develop the idea of the emotional problem of evil and then victim mentality and stuff. But yeah, just to give you a little grounding. So I'm going to start uh, way back. Uh, also, side note, uh, my family is still alive, and uh, and so as I tell this story, just know that people who are part of this story, people who have made choices in this story, are still alive and are in their own process of healing or in their own process of, of wallowing in victim culture. And so as I tell that, just be sensitive. Like, you know, it wouldn't be very difficult to find out who my parents are. Just don't, you know, don't lamb blast them. We've, we've done a lot of healing in our family, and so just a 
just to like give that warning. Right. Okay. Same, by the way. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's why so, I like, I, I, I get, I, sometimes it's like whenever I tell my story, I have to remind myself to make sure, because I'm just like, oh, here's my story. This is what happened. And then it, it's like, once in a while, like a family member, like, yeah, you kind of threw us all under the bus there, bro. Thanks for letting us know that we're still good. I'm like, so now I try to make sure I tell everyone. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's everyone has healed or everyone is healing mostly. Um, but yeah, yeah that's yeah, a good, yeah, that's can. a good disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, very wise of you. So <laughs> let's see. I'll, I'll start this story. I did not grow up in a in a good home. Like, um, as far as like parents met, and I'm trying. I'm going to try to be careful in 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 kind of how I explain some of the scenarios that pertain to other people. Um, but definitely, I will say, um, strong alcoholism. Both my my parents both had traumatic childhoods, um, in which they were abused, in which they dealt with stuff. And so when they met, they carried in a lot of this baggage. And so, from the time I can remember as a kid, some of my earliest memories are actually I'm, I'm working on a, like a book that I'll never finish because at this point I just know I'll never finish it. But <laughs> like some of my earliest memories are watching my parents scream at each other. Well, like I'm standing in the doorway, like four or five years old, thinking like, you know, like I've watched a lot of superhero like stuff. I'm like, I wish I were like Superman. I wish I were something so I could like interject in this and just stop it. Like, and like those are my earliest memories of four and five. We were, you know, one parent was either going to jail, one either one or both of them were going to jail constantly. We were in a, on a homeless shelters a lot. Just a very like unstable childhood. And while when I was seven years old, they were kind of trying to reconcile their marriage and left us with the babysitter, took off, not sure where they went, and they took off, left me, my brother and sister, I'm the oldest of three, um, left us with a babysitter, and there was another baby, not sure whose baby it was, those are kind of some Yikes. foggy memories, um, and uh, so he was there, and he didn't feed us for a couple days, he was playing video games, and apparently the neighbors kind of figured it out and called Child Protective Services. And when they got there, they found obviously three kids who were malnourished. I was seven, my sister was five, and my brother was four. And then they also found the baby face down in a wastebasket. Like, baby survived, but we ended up in foster care. And uh, we were in foster care for two years. At this point, my mom gives up custody. Um, now, there's... That's a pretty sensitive issue, but she gives up custody, leaves town, and my dad uh, spends the next two years trying to get us out of foster care. Well, the foster, we, that was in East Lansing. So we were in foster care in East Lansing. The foster parents had a godson who, uh, who sexually abused me, my brother, and sister regularly over a period of two years. And by sexual abuse, I mean like um, actual just full-on rape. Um, consistently, like very regularly over a period of two years, and even so much as to, um, like he rewarded us um, with pornography as a way to get us to do what he wanted. Um, and then, you know, obviously as kids, we don't know that it is wrong. And so this is actually, as I'm talking to this, I'm realizing some of this stuff I've never even told you, you're going to hear some more of it later. But um some of this stuff we don't even know is wrong, and so we're. How thinking old were you at this time? By the seven. way, seven. Um, and seven. And how? And how old was this per, this person? Fourteen. Okay. Fourteen. So and most so, likely there's some jacked up stuff that happened. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Oh, too. yeah. And uh, I'm gonna get into that later. Ooh, that, like, all right. Yeah, and it's so get deep. absolutely no doubt something happened to this kid, you know. But he's, you know, raping me, my brother and sister. He's he's forcing us to do things. He's threatening us, and at points we we 
think we don't know that it's weird until we think it's normal. We're, you know, expecting it, like participating, um, just super messed up. Now, our foster parents were super old. They had no idea any of this was going on. And uh, yeah, so two years, we didn't say anything. Um, I had a best friend who lived nearby, you know him, uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, at the time, my mindset was very much, because I didn't think it was weird, it was like, yeah, you know, this is bad, but like, my childhood was so, with the screaming, the arguing, the in and out of homeless shelters, the never knowing where you're going to be living, where you're going to be sleeping, where you're going to go be going to school, at that time, foster care honestly provided a stability for me uh, that was kind of messed up. And mm-hmm. so long story short, my dad, after two years of trying, gets us out of foster care. And we can the Child Protective Services, when you get out of foster care, you have to go through um, like counseling and stuff like that and to kind of check up. And, and so we went through counseling and they were like, hey, uh, you know, by the way, uh, being molested and raped is like not normal. Uh, and so if anybody's done this, like you should tell us. And we're like, oh, like, that's not normal, you know, like, so, yeah, that totally happened, you know, and so we kind of explained the story, and they're like, well, you know, if it really had happened, um, you would have told us sooner, and we're like, well, he threatened us, and like, yeah, that's not good enough, so we're just going to kind of brush this away, um, which, like, took away all access to, like, counseling and all access to all this kind of stuff, and uh, so, yeah, that kind of just kind of got brushed aside, and from that point on, um, my parents had found out at about the same time because, again, we were threatened. We didn't want to say anything. Mom came back into the picture after we got out of foster care. I forgot to mention that. And from that point on, um, my parents at this point never talked about this. Like, it was like the forbidden topic in my childhood because, at, you know, to admit as a parent that this was your fault is to admit that, like, yeah, all three of my kids got raped because of my bad choice. You know what I mean? Right. From their perspective, I understand why they didn't want to admit it, but it, it stunted a lot. So uh, let's see, a year later, so I got out of foster care at nine years old. A year later, I attended church here in Charlotte, and uh, in Charlotte, Michigan, and went to church with my uncle, who's now in prison, <laughs> and went to church with him. He's in prison for statutory rape, so there's that. Uh, and went to church and heard the gospel, and I got saved. But just to clarify what I, got I mean saved, by... But. <laughs> but just to clarify when I said I got saved, my mindset as a 10-year-old, first of all, not healthy for a 10-year-old, but was very much a, like, God, what the crap was that? You know, like, you let me get raped. You know, you let me, like, you ruined my childhood. Like, thanks for heaven, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for heaven, I guess. But, like, what was this? And so you don't expect anything from me. I won't expect anything from you. We're even. You know, we're done. I don't want anything to do with you. And so that's kind of how I live my life. Never went to church again. And uh, until uh, the bus captain at your church, um, what's his name? Can you remember? Ooh, uh, there was a Jim? Jim Woods. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Jim Woods... Uh, we're just going to name drop. Jim Woods, by the way, great guy. Their church, he's an elder at a church that supports us. And so he was pretty instrumental. And he he's comes awesome. to our, I yeah, love he that is. man. He comes to my man. house and he's like, Vincent, you should, he's like, you should come to church. And I said, no. And he's like, no, nah, you for real. You should come to church. It'd be a lot of fun. I'm like, nah, I'm good. And like, <laughs> nah, like, I'm I fine. Might. I might. I'm, I'm good. And he's like, here's what I'll do. 
I will give you a monster energy drink every service you go to. Uh, oh my gosh, that's why you always had Monster? Yeah, dude, that's why I always <laughs> had Monster. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> I always had Monster. Like, either before church or after church, I always had a Monster Energy drink. <laughs> Jim's and over there like, I'll give you a heart attack. I'll give you a heart attack, <laughs> but you're going to come to church. And obviously, he's like, I'll give you a Monster Energy drink. I'm like, I am in. You know, like, <laughs> say game, no more. Sure. Say Where's no my Bible? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was not a good church kid. In fact, Brad... Um, you know, both of our youth pastors, he almost quit the ministry. Uh, he told me I was the reason he almost quit ministry. I spray painted the church. I stole things from kids. Now, just to give you a picture, I was a broken kid at this point. So there was a time in fourth grade. Fourth grade is a year after a year after foster care, a, uh, let's see, like right when I started going to Calvary, there was a time at, at, at school where, uh, and this is going to come kind of into my personality, there was a time in school where my best, one of my best friends at that time, his name was Jackson, and he was like, hey, Vincent, I'm going away on a vacation. Like, I'm going to be gone for a few weeks. I need you to take care of my girlfriend. And it's like a fourth grade girlfriend, right? Like, this is not, but like, for me, it's like, yes, like, this is my calling, right? Like, absolutely, I will. And so, but I, again, I've never been a big guy. Like, I've never been a big guy. And so I was pretty scrawny. And so... uh so he's gone. There's like four kids like picking on this girl right at school. And I'm like calculating, ain't no way I'm going to be able to take these four guys. And so I grab a desk um, from the classroom. I beat the crap out of these four kids. I got suspended for 10 days, man. Did you ever know that? I, I did not know that. But yeah. that makes me so happy that I'm your friend. <laughs> yeah, like I was like. I was small, so I grabbed a desk. Yeah, yeah. So it works. And oddly enough, like. That's awesome. Oddly enough, like a month ago, someone's like, you know, I wasn't like a kid who like beat kids with a desk or something. And I was like. Like, <laughs> that was, and he didn't know my story. Like, he didn't even know I did that. Like, it like, wasn't like, like a passive aggressive. It wasn't like a passive aggressive. He's like, at least I'm not like that crazy. And I was like, you know, like that. Well, uh, well yeah, like, who'd do that? Uh. Do I got a story for you? You know, and so, uh, let's see, we'll skip. By the way, the alcohol, like a lot of the stuff that like, um, that like caused a lot of that stuff that caused us to go to foster care never just went away after foster care, the foster care system is kind of broken like that in that, one, we were heavily abused in foster care, and two, it never kind of went away. Uh, my parents didn't, like, regularly keep jobs, and so, like, there were times where, like, I was eating saltine crackers, and that was it. Like, sometimes in America, by the way, pastors, if you say this thing, stop saying this thing. Like, they'll say things like, none of you in this room, I bet, like, in a, because we live in America, have ever, like, had to wonder if they were going to be able to eat. None of you have. And I'm just like, stop saying stupid things like that, okay? Now, in America, it's a rarity, but like, it's not true. So, like... I mean, there was a period of time, like, you went without running water. Yeah, yeah, like, without running water. And, like, even, like, later on, my parents went years without running water. Like, there's, like, there exists actual property, and so stop saying that. You know, stop being like that. Don't say stupid things like that without checking, you know? <laughs> and so, but they were still alcoholics. They were still arguing, screaming. I like I can remember waking up as a kid at like 11 p.m. Like my parents' room was right next to mine, and they were screaming so hard that like I got heartburn. Like it was constant stress like that. Never sure if we were gonna have food. Never sure, um, you know, what was gonna happen. I remember times where I'd get mad at my dad, and like he would. I get 
like I said, just be sensitive about this. Like you guys, like we've healed. There's been a lot of forgiveness, but like, uh, like there were times where like the foster care threat was like thrown back into our face later on, like as like a, a threat, like if we were being bad, like not just for like for the sake of my dad never hit me. Um, and so that physical abuse in that kind of way never existed in my family. Now my parents did uh, fight and physically attack each other, but as far as like I never experienced the physical abuse, but a lot of emotional. Um, well, it's a good time. You should give it a shot. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I should just hit me. Just, I'll, just, I mean, I'll do it right no, now. No. And so, <laughs> but yeah. So that so I later on moved to Kentucky, and we were at a Southern Baptist church in Kentucky, and uh, a guy came from the church and uh, was trying to molest my sister. And, like, I, like, kind of caught on to it, and I got her out of the room before he, like, quartered me and molested me. Um, so that happened in Kentucky um, when I was, like, 13, you know. Kentucky, but, like, man. And, uh, yeah, confronted the church. Everyone in Kentucky knows everyone. And so that kind of just kind of got brushed aside, and nobody did anything about it. And so, um, obviously, that did not help my attitude with God. And... Um, yeah, just angry, bitter, very poor, never had money, never had clothes, went to nine different schools before I graduated. Um, but really the defining moment of my childhood, the strongest force in my mind was the rape, um, the pornography addiction that came with it because it was it was used as a reward mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, even, again, this is something that you don't know. You're going to find this out for the first time. There was a good period of time where I never actualized it. I never said anything, um, but I struggled with homosexuality. You wouldn't have known this ever. Um, I don't think I've ever said this, but it's because my first experiences with sex were homosexual. Um, it like that was all I knew. Like that was the right. only experience I'd ever had, and so I remember wondering if that meant like was I gay? Like why did I? Uh, later on, like questions of like, why did I desire that as a kid? Why did I think that was normal? Why didn't I say anything? Why didn't I, you know, running through right. all these scenarios, like, well, was that, well sexual abuse does that to, to yeah, young exactly. kids. It kind of it spins you out. Yeah. And so long story short, 16 years old, I'm at a teen revival, you know, which basically like for those who didn't like grow up in the IFB or whatever, it's like, you know, our youth pastor brought in his best friend and was like, you're going to preach a sermon and play a bunch of games and memorize verses. And that is what a youth revival is. That's yeah. really all it is, you know. And uh, that guy factors in later. But okay, <laughs> we won't get too far. <laughs> I'm Actually, I wouldn't even say names because I'm, I'm going to be careful on that. I did. Um, yeah, I'm not going to try to drag. There was He was very influential in my life um, in a lot of good ways and some negative ways. Um, but they went through a thing on music, and I was like, I was like, they were like, yeah, there can be bad music. He was never really like strong in that. And I later found out it's because he doesn't care about like CCM, but like he definitely had his own thoughts. But just to like clarify at the time, the kind of music that I was listening to, like as a teenager to like cope with my abuse was probably just not healthy music, like in general. You know what I'm saying? Like even now, as I like, even now, it's like after leaving the IFB, like probably stay away from that music. You know, like I was. I'm the exact opposite. Yeah. I'm like, where's the darkest feeling album? Ah, uh, My Chemical Romance. Yeah, yeah I like Sing dark, me a song. <laughs> I like dark feelings. So like I didn't like that kind of music. I didn't like the darkest feeling. Like 
I guess for me, the overwhelming feeling was actually like murderous rage. Like I fantasized about murdering people like constantly. That explains um, a lot about why you're just so <laughs> bizarre. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Psychopath. It's, now, for real, like, <laughs> so anyways, like, long story short, heard a sermon on bitterness, um, began to heal, like, began to, like, not heal, but, like, to um, kind of, like, gra- grapple with questions for the first time, grapple with my bitterness, and came to the point that, like, God, I want to be able to forgive my abuser. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to do something publicly that I've never done out loud, and I'm going to do it just in hopes that, like, somebody will be able to point me in the right direction. This is going to be really weird, okay? Okay, so do your thing. I prayed that God would allow me to, like, to forgive that guy, or at least to heal enough to where I could look this guy in the face and share the gospel with him and mean it, like, for the sake of his soul. Later on as an adult, I began to realize that, like, if he was doing that crap at 14, like, I can't even imagine the sexual abuse that that kid must have gone through. Yeah, like, statistically, the, like, abusers who become abusers, it's crazy. It's something like 75%. Oh, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's high. And especially with kids. Like, yeah. Because I, I grew up, you know, uh, my family, we did foster care. Mm-hmm. And all the kids who came through our home had experienced that. Yeah. And it's like, and the amount of things that I, we dealt with, uh, the amount of things I've seen... I won't say this because some of those people are still around. They might even watch the show. I don't want to put any of their business out on the street. But you're absolutely correct. Um, there, there is particular ones where it's like one of them was five years old and he was engaging on a three-year-old. Yeah. And it's because it happened to him and he's yeah. five. And he doesn't know. Like, as, like, I remember trying to, like, this is going to be really graphic, but I remember trying to teach my neighbor, I won't use her name, like how to masturbate. Because, like, that's all I knew. Like, that's what I was being taught as a seven-year-old. Like, I thought it was normal. Like, like yeah, you're, t- like, you don't even, you don't you're even bound, You have no boundaries. Yes. Your boundaries are destroyed. Yeah. You were not given healthy boundaries. Your mind doesn't have healthy boundaries. Yeah. You're not even thinking, like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to, like, it's ruined. You're like, oh, this is just what every seven-year-old does. It's not. Yeah, like, the innocence is gone. Yeah. And so he didn't ruin my life. Um, he didn't, like, you know... A lot of it was I had to deal with a lot of that, but ultimately recognizing as an adult that something must something terrible. Yeah, there's other things that there's other factors to that you connect, right? Yeah, and so as I I, okay, so we'll get back to where I was. So like that's what I prayed, and I began to deal with this bitterness, and that's where a lot of like Brad, um, you know, our youth pastor Mm -hmm. came became a big part of my life. And whereas I know like there were some negative experiences that you experienced, and a lot of that had to do with some other people that we know. It really burned out Brad. Oh, oh you know yeah. exactly well, who I'm talking about. I, <laughs> there's, yeah, no, Brad's a good dude, man. Brad, I love Brad. Brad's great. He uh, was inexperienced, and he had much harder teenagers. Dude, I... Do you I, remember... I'm sure you remember, like, who I'm talking about, I right? know of quite a few people. Yes. I know there's also... There's, there's a, one specific guy I'm thinking of who was a bus kid. I Yeah. Yeah, I think yep, you know. I know. There's, <laughs> well, here's the problem. Brad took... Took on a pastor, young and inexperienced, and he got one heck of a first serving. There were a lot of problems uh, all the te- uh, in all the teens there, 
uh, with my problems, my family's problems, there's other families' problems, your family's problems. Yeah. I can mention like six different families that he was trying to juggle. And I'm over here, like I remember as a teen uh, or a young adult, I was, I was bitter toward yeah. like kind of bitter toward him. And then as I got older, I was like, oh my, and I've done pastor minute, pastoral ministry and stuff. All I did was I, like, I was like, dude, Brad, I am so sorry. <laughs> like That sucked. <laughs> I remember hearing later that after your guys' generations of teenagers, like Brad told uh, his then wife, Erica, that's awkward to say, but like Brad told her, like, I can't, I'm never going to like invest in another teenager as heavily as I did these teenagers because like a lot of them kind of spe- like he had no idea what he was doing. Thankfully, Brad did not do that. And I really poured into my life. And shortly afterwards, he moved jerk. I'm still not I haven't forgiven you, Brad, for moving. <laughs> What a jerk. Like, like we get close. Rapist like, forgiven. Brad, you moved? Not okay. Yeah, like, come on, Brad. No, <laughs> no I understand. But, you know, uh, and then after that, we were like, we knew each other. You were always a little older than me. Um, but, like, there was, like, you were at, you were at Crown, mm-hmm. uh, where you're infamous now. You were at Crown. Pretty sure and they like, have a wanted poster still He left Crown there. where I was, like, still, like, spray painting the church and, like, just, like, doing, like, totally bad things. Then you come back, and I'm, like, in a suit, like, totally yeah. cleaned up. Like I, I, I remember literally just being like, what happened? You Who know? are you? And <laughs> this suit was, like, by the way, like, five, like four to five times too big on me, like, because, like, we could never afford anything nice, you know, like, in my family. So I was like, we need to go to the secondhand store. And if you've ever been to, like, a Goodwill for a suit, like, I don't know what kind of, like... This They're is the gonna worst. sound really mean, but like obese monsters that like it's like only obese people return suits to Goodwill. You yep. know what I'm saying? I know like, exactly what you're saying. And, and they're always like three decades old. Like I don't know if we're gonna trigger anybody like about the other thing or a victim culture, but that surely is gonna make somebody mad. But yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, it be facts we, though. And we became pretty close and like kind of very slowly, but we both got to know each other. Um you know, and I begin to really, really, this is where I'm going to segue, I guess, grapple with the problem of evil. Um, apologetics became like very real, very quick for me because I'm, as I like started healing, it was not acceptable for me to say, well, God, you had a plan and you wanted to use this rape to make me a better person. Like, like that was not acceptable. Like, I, I think we'll like like delve into that, but I had to reconcile how could how could God know all this, like create the world, and like how could God allow? I guess I was just gonna cut you know cut the crap. How could God allow that to happen and not be a monster? You know, and right. like and there's a we. I know you guys have been going through a series on the intellectual problem of evil, but like sometimes people give these like really crappy like quip answers to like the problem of evil like you know god you know god understands everything that was going to happen and he just wanted to use it for his glory like just like let's just pick apart that just for like from an emotional standpoint like let's just like insert like that terrible thing god wanted you to get raped as a kid for his glory whoa like (laughs) first of all stop saying that by the way don't say that okay if you are a if you're a person, a seminary graduate or a youth pastor or a pastor who's like never had like really like damaging traumatic things happen to you as a kid and you say that to a teenager who's been raped, like but just like just if like 
he might not be like big enough to punch you in the face, but he's gonna want to, and he's never gonna trust you again. Like, yeah, well, or yeah, that there. Well, let's see. And let's it, see. And it ruins your. Okay, yeah, we're just gonna jump. Yeah, right in, all, right, I guess. all right, all right. Time By the work. way, Calvinists, you're not gonna like where we came to our conclusion. So <laughs> just not, trigger warning. No, of course, you know this this page. I mean, if you're still watching and you're a Calvinist, you it's kind of par for the course. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's the drum we beat, but it's mainly because it's infected all the evangelical churches. Um, but so here's the thing, like with that. So as someone who's experienced childhood trauma and abuse, a lot of it, same with you. Um, just I think you and I experience different levels on different areas. Um, th- that is actually one of the things like I, those, those quippy Christian cliches. Oh, it's all part of God's plan. Just have faith in God's plan. So hold on. Hold the phone. God planned and wanted me to be beaten, hated. Uh, God wanted, it was part of his plan. You know, he couldn't accomplish his plan, Vincent, without you being raped. Yeah, yeah. And like... Things like that, you're like, oh, you hear the words coming out of your mouth? I like, what if like, okay, so like, let's just say, like, let's just take like a, okay, so Calvinists are going to be really upset when I say it like this, like... That's okay, oh, we already uh, gave them a trigger yeah, warning. We're just going to yeah, burn. Yeah, we're just going like, to So like, let's just say you believe in like very strong determinism, okay? That means like... The logical conclusion, it's not how you're going to word it, but the logical conclusion is God forced that kid to rape me for his glory because that makes him look good. Okay, do you just, like, do you want to, like, how does, like, that make God look good? Like, man, that rapist is so bad. It makes God look good. But, like, yeah, but God, like, God's like, I'm going to make him do that because, man, deter- I just look so good. But like, the, what ends up happening is that it turns into the primary, right? They're like, well, he's the primary cause of all things, but he, uh, he de- unchangeably decrees all that comes to pass. But he neither see the author of evil because he uses, like, secondary causes. It's like, it doesn't matter. If everything is determined... And that's the that's the that's the eight ball behind it all is God determined to decree all that to happen, whether it's primary, secondary causes doesn't matter. He determined and caused all those things to take place. Yeah. And and so for like, I'll just like it. So when we talk about victim culture, like sometimes we think like and I know you would never agree with this, but like I guess the way that we coped it was kind of different that it took me a long time to like. I don't know how to say like get over probably is not the best word, but to like yeah, get over to we be like, no, yeah, get over <laughs> or to be like normalized. Mm-hmm. Like we make like when I, it's not like at 16 years old, I'm like, boom, flip a switch. I am great. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> perfectly healthy mind. There were times like there were like, it, there's been drastic effects like in my life. First of all, um, this is kind of, I'm going to say this, but like, as I say it, I don't like. I know if somebody like if a specific set of people watch this, they're gonna be like, "See, I told you." Like, I knew it. Um, and so, and you're gonna you're gonna know, but we're just gonna let it be an inside joke. Okay. Sorry, sorry, camera. But like, there was someone who told me like, "What's wrong with you, Vincent? You hate authority. You're just rebellious." And I'm and I was like, "No." And now I'm about to say, yeah. <laughs> I know. Now I'm the- about to say, I'm not like now I'm about to say because of my because of my background. I have a very strong distrust for masculine authority or masculine figures in general. Like a strong masculine figure, like naturally distrusting. I don't trust people that easily. Um, takes me a long time, and for good reason. I trusted someone you know, like when I was a, a, a kid, and and it was kind of it was abused, and so obviously I do not 
I'm so you're not a, little, a big fan of that. You're a little cynical. I'm a little cynical and skeptical, you know, of any authority figure. <laughs> know the in my feeling. Life. Half the time, like everyone's like, "Will you're so overly critical?" Yeah. I'm like, I like to consider myself yeah. discerning. Yeah. And I am very critical, <laughs> and there's a reason for it. Okay. Now that being said, I have a pastor. I work for a church. You know, I'm a missionary, mm-hmm. um, and and I have a healthy relationship with my pastor and with authority. I I've placed myself under leadership of elders in my church. Um, I push back. I have a healthy skepticism, and if you were to talk to any of the elders in my church, they'd know if there's one person in the entire group that's most likely to argue with the rest of us, it's going to be me. Like, it's going to be <laughs> Vincent. It's 100%. Um, but yeah, I have that. I have it affected the way that I viewed sex um, for a long time. Sex for me was uh, it, like it went through phases. Like, it was disgusting, it was warped, it was. Uh, viewed in the eyes of homosexuality for a little bit and that whereas um, like I even struggled with like fantasizing homosexuality just because it's all I knew um, and you know I'm not a homosexual you know I've got a fully functioning good marriage you know and like you know normal life and all that married life includes <laughs> <laughs> giggity <laughs> so third baby on the way that'll tell you something <laughs> No, so, uh, but yeah, like that affected me. It affected a lot. And I remember like there were times where I'd be like, you know what? I think I finally like healed from this thing. Like it took me years to like be able to be open about it. And I'm like, I'm like healed from this. And then I remember like in 2000, no, 2019, maybe 2018, it was like Valentine's Day. Everyone's like, we're pumped. Like we're at our last church and like, we're going to have this like young couples thing. And I remember just thinking like, like, everyone's pumped. I'm supposed to be, like, planning details. I'm like, God's a monster. And, like, I can't convince myself otherwise. Like, this is when I'm still, like, a normal mainstream Protestantism. Isn't this where, because I remember when you, was there were some times you guys came by, and we had some really intense, long conversations about the problem of evil. Yeah, or, like, yeah, we'd come by, I or, like, that. I would text you randomly. And I remember, like, right, I remember, I remember I'm at church. I'm supposed to be working, and I'm, like, ugly crying. Like, I am ugly crying like i'm calling every i'm like i remember like calling brad like brad god's evil like there's no way that like i can view god as anything but evil and i'm trying to like convince myself at this time of like determinism and compatibilism and like because protestantism right yeah protestantism independent fundamental baptists they say they're not they are protestants the whole framework is the same yeah they're they basically are let's see two-point calvinists they believe the total depravity and the perseverance of the saints, like in a, one, a form of it with the one saved, always saved. Like, that, that's, they're basically that. Yeah. And, like, no matter how you do it, like, God made that happen. Like, how could, like, I, I tell people, I tell Calvinists all the time, um, like, how could, how could I trust God? God wants a relationship with us as a father, right? He, God wants a relationship with us as a savior, as all of this stuff. And yet, like, in that framework, God forced me to get raped. He might as well have done the raping. You know what I mean? Because if he's the primary cause for that action and he forced somebody to do it through his th- those causal means, that's the end conclusion. Um, and that's so funny. And like, like we were saying last night, I, I hear it all the time, all the word salad that people will try to introduce to get around the fact that, well, God can cause all things, but... Um, but through either secondary causes or X, Y, Z, or they'll say something like he has morally sufficient reasons, even though we might not know as to why. We see that, uh, and, but it's like, no, no matter which way you do it, it comes right down to the cause, right? Yeah. The causal Give decree. Give me one good morally sufficient reason why you'd let a seven-year-old get raped. 
You know what? Like I'll wait. <laughs> like give me one. I'd love for you to explain to me like why that was better for me. You mm-hmm. know, like why why was that a good thing as opposed to not getting like do you were like you know my family like my my parents by the way have grown leaps and bounds. They've given up alcohol. They're they're going through their own struggles as they always are. But like the parents that I had growing up versus the parents I have now are drastically different. But like my siblings are using drugs. Like they're coping with like you'll say, well, like God used that thing to bring you to Him. Okay, well, I've heard a lot of Calvinists about like, well, doesn't it make you just feel so special that God chose you? First of all, no. Like I'd rather God not choose me for rape. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, it does not make me feel special. So if that's your argument, like that's your big thing, you're gonna be really disappointed if we like we talk. Okay, and second of all, those same means i'm i'm like at you, this point i'm thing. ticked like I just, these means i knew this was gonna are the happen. reason that my that like that my siblings are on drugs and like giving their lives away and like like trying to find trying to fill that void that was was ripped from them by a rapist with relationships galore and like giving themselves away because that's all they knew that same those same means that god and is morally sufficient you know and by the way, as I say that, it sounds blasphemous. If this is the God of like of your choosing, it's not my God, okay? I'm going to just make that very clear. If I had to choose between being an atheist and believing that God, I would rather be an atheist. I mean that as strongly in, in, for the Calvinists who I know. I've said that to your face, and I mean it. I would rather be an atheist than follow that God. So... If that's what you feel like, wow, that sounds blasphemous. I don't, I would, I don't mind blaspheming Allah. And at this point, it's basically the same thing. Well, because I mean, they're both, they both are determinism, right? Yeah, uh, 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 <laughs> Islam and, and uh, uh, extreme Calvinism. Yeah. That's what you. Yeah. That's so what you those deal with. same means that God used for His morally sufficient reason to draw you on Himself are the same. That, so you're just saying that also God forced uh, a rapist to rape my siblings to push them into atheism and drug abuse. And this is the thing where I, I don't think, so I, I've, I've had, talked to other Calvinists, and so just just for the other side of it, so they find peace or comfort in the fact that everything is part of God's plan, but in the end they win, essentially. So even though God causally determines all these things, they find peace in that because there's purpose behind it, even though they might not know the purpose. Now, my issue, that's why I, but I keep pushing back on it because I have experienced so much abuse where that's why I say this, I say similar things. I'm like, dude, if I, if I had to be convinced that that like Piper version of Calvinism, right? Like a seven point hardcore, mm-hmm. very deterministic framework was true. If it's like, oh, if that's exactly what the Bible was, yeah, I'd probably be an unbeliever. I just, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that because that's what it comes down to when yeah. it comes down to the causal decree. Let me just say this then. Uh, they say like there's a purpose that we don't know, but we know that it's gonna be morally sufficient. So like, let's just say for instance, let's just give a scenario. Um, I don't want to use any of us as the rapist because it'll just make the podcast weird. So like, <laughs> let's just say some random like, let's just say Nigel. Yeah, Nigel. Nigel says like, man, if I rape this little kid, I bet you like I heard Vincent's story and man, he turned out okay. So I'm gonna rape this kid because my morally sufficient purpose is that if I rape this kid, I bet you he'll turn into like a stronger, harder, like, you know, critical thinking Christian. And he'll be a missionary. And he'll be a missionary. And so, like, if Nigel said that about your child, Calvinist, what would you say? Or if Nigel said, I don't have to give you my reason 
just trust me that I know that this is, I have a good, a good reason for this. What would you do? No, that's why it's like, I find it very, <laughs> so that's why there's like the, the you know, compatibilists are like, well, that's why I don't believe it's all determined. I just believe it's, they're compatible and they ex- have different ways for that. But for me, a compatibilism is still determinism holistic. And that's why, that's why one of the biggest objections. So all this goes around to one of the biggest objections that people have against like, like reformed or Protestant uh, views of God's sovereignty, which is um, the character of God. It really yeah. calls into question that, yeah. right? Yeah, which we I just I alluded to it before, but I, I'm going to say this: if God, let's just say there was an omnipotent being, like I I, I saw somewhere like recently, like you you last last night. Well, okay, you're going to give the time period away, but just last night you recorded, and they'll they'll hear this episode. I'm assuming later, but last night you recorded that epi- that response video to. Was it Tyler? Yeah, Tyler Vela. Yeah. Someone said, like, someone, t- correct me if I'm wrong, I might be wrong about this, but someone, like, like tagged me in, or, like, posted something on Facebook where it was, like, they compared him to, like, an omnipotent, like, Odin. Is that, like, was that him or was that someone Yeah, like Yeah, him? he was, he, well, he was saying that, like, uh, open, Tyler said that open theism was, like, basically uh, a mega Zeus or yeah, something. Yeah, like a mega Zeus, something like that, something like that. So, like, let's just say that there was, like, this omnipotent, like, all-powerful, like, Odin, Zeus, like they, they all have like Odin means fury, and like when in Norse mythology, like there's this like all powerful, like raging god who's just like, do what I say because I'm like the dictator of the planet, and like I could just obliterate you right now. I'm the real god, and I just want you to acknowledge that I am more powerful than you. Might not, not might not like love this guy, this being, but like at least I could be like, okay, fair. But you that, know, but that like, becomes like might makes right. Yeah, might makes right. Like fair. But the God of the Bible says, like, listen, broken person. Like I, you impure person, I see what's been done to you. I want to make you pure. Listen, fatherless child. I want to be your father. Now, if I were in a situation where, and my dad made bad choices, but he didn't like pimp me out. You know what I'm saying? Right, but, like, right, right. If I were in a situation where like my dad's like, listen, this is going to be good for you because you're going to turn out to be a missionary. I'm about to pimp you out. Okay, that's been rough. Now, I'm your dad. I want you to love me like I'm the best dad in the world. Like God says, love me. Give yourself to me. Cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all of this onto me. Trust me. Put your whole heart into me, but like I forced you to get raped. Just like, just side note, like if the God of the Bible just said, I'm omnipotent, I do what I want, suck it. You know, like that kind of right. thing. Like, okay, like I don't love you, but like I respect the power. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I ain't gonna question you, but I ain't about to die, you know? But the God of the Bible expects so much from a trustworthy, open-ended, transparent person who loves you unconditionally and that wants to, you read the Psalms, I'm going to protect the weak and I'm going to protect the oppressed and I'm going to protect, like that's the whole story of the Bible. And they're like, but there is this like one little thing. It's almost like Calvinists need cognitive dissonance. That's like for everything that they have, like I have so many reasons to not trust God because by all accounts, he should be considered a moral monster. But because I'm just going to ignore all evidence to the contrary, and just believe that he's good, I must be a better Christian than you. When you think about that, that's really what it why is like there's is that cognitive dissonance. Well, I want to protect the lowly, the victim, these things, but also I kind of causally decree that all that comes to pass anyway. Yeah. And that's why it comes that's the and that is the undercut Achilles heel of the entire system is that 
as far as morals, it's hard to have moral outrage about anything when you say it was determined by God, yeah. right? How, 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 it's really Almost hard for like me evil to... evil doesn't exist because God made all of it happen. Right, and, I mean? all, and all... Well, here, here's the thing. God says it's good. He wills evil to happen. Therefore, evil he must be good. good. Yeah. yeah. And it's, which is incoherent as it all get out, yeah. which is why... Again, causal determinism doesn't make sense. And also why, it, it, like you said, it would create a moral monster, which is why I, I know I, I have many Calvinist friends, and I know this is going to be awfully triggering. But um, especially, <laughs> We gave you rant. a warning. We told you from the beginning. Like. <laughs> so, but when it comes down to it, that's why I'm like, I, I, see, I think I've seen so many people, are, that's why so many people are repulsed by it. Um, I, in fact, I think it was Sproul or is it MacArthur? One of them was asked, like, why do you think so many people reject Calvinism? And he goes, well, it's because they don't know their Bible. And it's like, no, that's not why. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so what, so all this comes down to, so, all right, you have obviously, and, and in the IFB where you and I grew up in, especially Baptist churches, they're considered Protestant, which means that they actually do have this weird, they almost have a compatibilist view of things, even though they are, they're like, they're staunchly anti-Calvinist, but they have, they do have that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, yeah. So they'll be like, oh, it's part of God's plan, God has a plan, God, God is working, God is working out, out his plan. And so you obviously were confronted with this problem of evil because you had this idea that God has a plan and he decrees all these things that comes to pass to one degree or other. And so what was the way you kind of got around that? Because obviously you've already spoken very clearly that you are really not a fan of the Calvinist system. Neither am I. Um, so what what, were, what was it that helped you start squaring that circle a little Yeah, bit? so it took a lot of steps. Um, uh, first of all, so there was a good moment there, um, especially with my resignation from my church and my wife, my wife experienced um, some sexual abuse as a kid and some other types of abuse. Not like, not on the level. I don't want to like invalidate her feelings, but like as far as abuse go, it wasn't on the level that like mine was. Um, but as like she's a lot more sensitive and a lot more um, like prone to depression than I am, and so she dealt. She had like you know she had like a rough go for like five years to where she was like. She was like on like on the fence about religion and like almost at times was like maybe I'm not like like maybe I'm an atheist you know. Like I remember that. having some serious conversations yeah, even some, when, when you guys would come around like that's what I mean like there, we had a lot yeah, of and there was a lot and there were times where I was like basically at first I was just like I kind of tried to like fit the thing and but like I couldn't. What what happened is like you know you know cognitive dissonance. You're like this doesn't fit very well. I know that this is wrong, but, but this square is what peg I, round hole. I'm yeah, gonna make it work. I'm just gonna make it work. And what ended up happening is like every year to two years, I would have like an absolute breakdown because it always came back to the same thing. God is evil, um, and like I couldn't. How do you like look, especially in today's culture where there's so much sexual abuse? You know, like. When I'm talking to young people, it's like it's more often than not that I'm hearing these kind of stories, yep. you know. And how do I, how do I like when I'm not comfortable with this answer? Ain't no way I'm gonna tell somebody else that answer. And for a long time, I tried to make it fit, and it it just destroyed me to where, for a long time, I just said, I don't know what the answer is. But it ain't that answer, you know. And right. I started studying Calvinism. I've read the the forms of unity, the blah blah blah. I've read a lot of stuff to like convince me, like maybe the Calvinists have like a like an answer or like a a, a thing like a, a workaround to this that I haven't thought of at first. And the more I studied it, the less the less I convinced that they had it became less be convinced I became that they had not only an answer for that, but for some other logical problems. I know you guys like the more I studied, the more I'm like. Ah, 
I believe in Augustinian original sin. Ah, I don't know if I believe in this. Ah, I don't know if I believe in this either. And so in my quest to become a Calvinist, I became less of a Calvinist. And, <laughs> and so then... Well, it is funny because I know a lot of my IFB friends, they actually get into Calvinism because they're the sola scriptura people. They're also very conservative. Like, yeah. they, like, like socially. And there's a lot of things I actually appreciate about the reform crowd. Um, it's just for me, I'm like, dude, once you get to that causal determinism thing, yeah. um, that God does these things for his own glory, that's where you lose me. But, um, but yeah, so that's, so yeah, so I'm going to, I'm to tell the, yeah. So naturally I, so my father-in-law, who's a very IFB, um, but he loves theology and apologetics. And so because of his quest for theology and apologetics in the IFB, basically just got to lead the IFB on that topic, you know? And so he said, hey, have you heard of William Lane Craig? And, and so the, obviously the, the first thing that I was drawn to was Molinism um, because Molinism seemed to fit what I, like a lot of what I already believed. Um, and it seemed to work around the problem that I thought it seemed to solve the problem of 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 God's the free will and with the and free sovereignty. will. It seemed to it try attempted to reconcile sovereignty and free will, um, and so for a long time I held on to that belief. So like long story short, um, we held on to that one, and like you were you were going through like that same phase at the exact same time. Like we were both like Molinism's the answer. Mo Have you openly said you're not a Molinist? I don't know if I haven't openly said it, but yeah, I haven't You're heard it here, folks. Like, I mean, I, mean I, I've, I, I have found a Molinism less and less appealing over yes, time. Yes, yes. In fact, so here's what I'm going to say. My, my wife is incredible in that, like, she doesn't like studying as much as I do, but, like, I'm, like, but she loves picking apart arguments, and you know this. And my wife is vicious when it comes oh, to... She's debate. also really like, smart. That she's was, very smart. I was she, very impressed when I first had my... I'm lucky. Like, some guys are like, you know, like, some people complain, like, oh, my wife hates theology, not my wife. Like, my wife is cool. But, like, she is <laughs> she is annoying and sometimes. And if yours doesn't like theology, she's not cool. Yeah, and she's not, you know, it is what it is. Maybe she's a good cook. My wife's a good cook, too, though. I don't know. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry for you if your wife doesn't like theology, but mine does. So we were, like, poking holes, and we're like, you know what? I just don't think, and Jordan Ferrier also, uh, Jordan, if you're listening to this, hates you. Come on, man. Why do you have to ruin good things for us? You know? <laughs> and like he kind of like started poking holes and there were holes that I already saw. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't really like solve the problem. Like it does like God does say like like if under Molinism, like there would be like God chose our free will choices. And then you could like make an argument that God, because of his omniscience, knew that this was best possible, like best case scenario, you know, but like in the end, it doesn't ultimately take the responsibility away from God. Well, because it still comes down to an actuation, yeah. right? Because it yeah. says that God saw the, yeah, all the world. actualized worlds. it. And in that actualization, you effectively, you like, you like set the blame one step farther, but you're not like, you can't just be like one step farther away from the blame of rape. You know what I mean? Like right, that's, right. That's not, you like, you shouldn't be like, well, I wasn't like the guy like, Okay, I'm not going to get too graphic. I wasn't the guy, like, raping the kid. I was just the pimp. You know, like, that's right, not right. enough of... Well, it's like the hitman like, like yeah, hit analogy. The hitman, too. Like, I'm, a, I'm enabling this. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're not the good guy if you're just one step back. Right, just because you, you are... You, like, if I hired a hitman, that's a secondary yeah. cause. And, but I'm still the guy who hired the and hitman. And also, I love arguing with Calvinists. If there are any Calvinist friends of mine listening to this, you can attest to the fact that I love arguing with you. The more I argued for Molinism, the less 
the less convinced I became that it was really any different. Every time we argued, we came to the same conclusions. And I was like, uh, I don't like that we're coming to the same conclusions. And so I, so I will openly say now that I favor a open type of view of God's sovereignty. Does that make me an open theist? No. Like in like the strict sense of what an open theist is, it does not make me an open theist because I can't, but like I've come to appreciate philosophers like Aquinas. He's one of my favorites and philosophers that do not take this Augustinian, like this very strong reform sovereignty stance and that I have a very strong view of God, of God's gift of free will, that God gave mankind free will and that he could not because, okay, this is going to get, he could not take away that free will from us because well, he, he gave it. Yeah, he'd be you, contradict- you've, done the, you've done this, right? You yeah, yeah. Like, he, he'd be contradicting his own nature. Yeah. If you give, if you give someone a yeah. choice, like, hey, th- this yeah. is the choice, this is the test, then to stop them from making that decision that you freely gave them is to actually make yourself yeah. a liar, yeah. and God cannot lie. Yeah, and so a lot of the, if you read a lot of like the the reformed, I don't mean like Baptistic reformed, like you read a lot of the reformed creeds and confessions, they're going to say things like. They're gonna like they're gonna make a big case that God's election and predestination is not grounded in his foreknowledge. They'll like they'll make like a it's more like his foreknowledge is grounded in his actualization, meaning right. that God learned and that God was informed of decisions. He was not always omnipotent because unless he And the only re- way he knows that all these things is because he had to determine them. Because he them. determined them. And so I would actually strongly put foreknowledge before that. And that well, because yes. that's actually what Romans says. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. which I foreknow, I predestined. Yeah, like, and so foreknow well, is first. God's, God stands... At, I'm going to give an analogy, and I, I, like all analogies, there are failures in analogies, and people can pick apart my my whatevers. It, I will openly say, if you want to ask questions about like stronger things about theology, I might not be the best guy for it. I'm not... I'm like, I've studied, but like, I'm not as deep down the road I, I love arguing, but I'm not as deep down the road as maybe like you or Brian or Jordan Ferrier. Like I'm not as like far down the road as knowledgeable maybe. But here's the way I've I've had it explained to me listening to things like Pints with Aquinas, highly recommended by the way. Love Pints with Aquinas. And so they explain God, when God, when we know something, like, so we'd say it's all infallible, God knows things. Well, how could God know something without being the cause of that something? And so they kind of explain it like this. We like... Um, you, you used a good analogy. I'm going to use a similar analogy. You can use the analogy of yesterday or you can use the analogy of movie. Like, think of your favorite movie. For me, um, I love um, I love Into the Spider-Verse. Such a good Spider-Man. movie. And this, I've, every year for Father... My wife hates the movie because I overwatch it. Every year for Father's Day, I watch... I come home from church and I watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I know everything that's going to happen in the movie. I know every action... I know every line, love that movie. If I have infallible knowledge of how that movie is going to happen, does that make me the cause of that movie? No, no. right? There was there were free agents in the movie directing it, scripting it, and acting it, and improving it. And all, but I know the whole thing. I know everything that's going to happen. That That's because I stand outside of the time in which that action, all of those actions occurred. And there, there may even be, like, for instance, there may be an actor who played in that movie who had a part in making that movie, 
But ultimately, after the movie's filmed, everyone involved in that movie stands outside of that time. So God, who stands outside of time, sees everything infallibly as a, almost as a memory. There's, he has infallible knowledge of everything that's going to happen because to him, everything is history. Everything is written. Everything has happened. Everything is done. Even the parts that he took place in are already done. It's not like he's acting in time. He steps into time events, but even those actions are also past history. Right. I, the, the, the way I describe it was yeah, like yeah. yesterday. The yesterday, yeah. Right. Like if I look back at yesterday, I know every event that ever took place. I know I was a completely free agent yesterday. I made all the choices I made yesterday, but now it's today. Well, those things happened, and I made those choices. I can't change those because they have been made. Yeah. But the, uh, also, like Aquinas said, that God knows all things, but the future still con- is contingent. Yes. It's contingent on choice. Yep. And so here's the thing. If go you go, Aquinas. so if you go, hey, I am going to, I'm going to choose to do X, Y, and Z. Like if I'm going to choose to be a drunkard, mm-hmm. God will go, well, then you're predestined for these things, right? Because I know, therefore, it's predestined. If you go down as a drunkard, these are things that are going to happen to you. But then you go, I have conquered my alcoholism. I'm done. Well, now the contingent choice is the other choice God knows, which is what would happen if you didn't. Yeah, it's like Molinism without actualization, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It almost (laughs) makes like, I can almost hear... Like, I can almost hear Reformed people right now just saying, like, oh, you believe in almost like the divine watchmaker thing, like, where, like, God sets the thing and just lets it go. And, and like, in a way, kind of, like, in a way, like, yeah, but, like, God doesn't just, like, let's see what happens. Like, but, then, he, but God is also like, always acting. He's, yeah, God he's, is always acting. He's not just letting it go, but he's not only is he always acting— but he also is never acting because he stands outside of the time. And how that works, I have no clue. Um, <laughs> well, God is so that the way I, uh, Aquinas puts it is that God is pure actuality. Yeah, so he's yeah. always he's always working. Yeah, and he's always working. Even yeah. so, even out, like if since he's outside of time, he's still always working because he just because he's outside of time doesn't mean he can't interact yeah. within time. And even if you say pure actuality, like does God stop being loving? Like does God like exactly. I guess define simplicity? If God is pure actuality, is one of like of who he is, then he's never done. And he's never done. And so even the argument that God like actualized everything means that he stopped. Right. You're like, yeah, I guess if, if you're a reformed person in here, you're, you're, you're like, let's actually, as we, I'm looking at the time here. I don't, if we want to keep going in this, we can, but I also want to like wrap this up and saying there are, there's a huge difference between the intellectual problem of evil and the emotional problem of evil. Right. You can answer the intellectual... I want to quickly do this because I've been doing a series. You can answer the intellectual problem with the the free will theodicy, with the heaven theodicy, with the character building theodicy. That deals with the intellectual problem. But the emotional problem is something... A little bit different. Yeah. And so like... Yeah. And even like there's the reformed theodicy. They have their own ways of dealing with the problem of evil. I don't like their way. Obviously, I don't like their way. You know, like we don't have to get... But what I'm saying is, is even like people like William, like other people will defend this point that when you answer the intellectual problem of evil, you're not answering the emotional problem of evil. And sometimes those two things are going to conflict. You as a reformed person who might not have had like major trauma in your life might be perfectly content with the reformed view, the reformed theodicy to answer the problem of evil. But for someone who's dealing with the emotional problem, there are some direct implications um, in God's character that 
that because of their emotional problem of evil, they're not going to land. They're they're not going to say, you know what? I'm just going to overlook this. I agree with you. Um, right. Well, because yeah. you've 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 went like someone like who's experienced abuse, for example. You know what it's like to be gaslit. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm the good guy here. No, you're not. You've been abused me. No, no, I'm good. But you you're the one who's causing this. No, no, I'm good. You're the problem here. Yeah. You know when you experience that as as an abused kid. It is really hard for you to look past the Reformed theodicy and go, God's not a gaslighter. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like God. Why? How? How is he not a cosmic gaslighter to some degree or exactly. other? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, so you you it, as when you have experienced a lot of serious trauma, that becomes a huge issue. So, um, but anyway, do you want to go to victim culture now? So yeah. So yeah. I think what we should do real quick. So the emotional problem is you. I think the intellectual problems need to be properly answered, which can help anchor your emotions. Uh, facts and reason and logic gives us a framework in which to operate our emotions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's very important. That's why we have the series because I even said in the series, like, you can't answer the emotional problem because you can't fix the emotional problem. The emotional process problem is something that has to be processed. Yeah. Ooh, that's going to be really good for victim culture, by the way, as we move into Right, because the emotional problem is something that has to be processed. It ha- it, it, everyone has a journey, but if you have the intellectual reasons, you can operate your emotions within that framework. You can discipline your emotions to move on to the next thing and eventually get past some of these things that you need to get over um, in order to be properly function as a human being. And there's nothing wrong with saying to get over it. Yeah. We want the whole point of therapy. Like if you have to go to therapy for 10 years, the whole, your whole reason for going to therapy is to get over it. Yeah. Right. You want to, you want, you want to look back and went, I went through some crap. I got, I sought help and I got over it yeah. and now I'm a healthy human being. Yeah. And can I give some like, yeah, the mentality, can I give some like tips as far as like how like that healing process like went down from here? Like what were like kind of key integral like steps for that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So like, um, one of the biggest like key things and I just say, like, if you're like a victim right now and you're like, oh, that sounds like really nice. Like glad that worked out for you. You know what I mean? But like, like just to let you know, like when I started healing, it wasn't like, well, you know, like I read some Aquinas and now I'm better, you know, like that. <laughs> again, those things did not answer the emotional problem of evil, though they did the like I was trying to explain. I hopefully I did a good job, but I was trying to explain that the those two facets, they're, they're both they're both part of the same coin. Like you have to answer intellectual and emotional. You, they both need to be answered. You can't just say like because if you answer the intellectual wrong, in yeah, my opinion, mystery. Which is, yeah, if you punt to mystery, the emotional, any emotional healing that you do is always going to rebound back into. Right, it'll spiral. You have to fix both. Right. Um, but some key things. The biggest thing for me was relationships. Brad, um, Aaron, you, um, like, so as someone who like, um, you know, I, I'm looking at the time. We have an hour and eight. I won't forget. But like, as I'm like, as I'm thinking about it, like, there were people in my life who loved me even though I was the kid who like beat kids with desks, like spray painted the church, like not a good, not a nice guy. And yet like, and yet there were people who loved me, um, who were like there for me, who didn't give me those quippy answers. And sometimes they didn't say anything. And that was better. Like that was better than giving me these quippy answers. So them saying like, I remember one time confronting pastor booth. I remember asking like worried because like, is people say stupid things a lot in the IFB. I know easy like thing to throw, but like they'd say things like, well, like, you know, if you're not pure, like God is never going to use you 
And I remember thinking like, well, that was like, was that stolen from me? Like, does that even count as like my purity being taken because mm-hmm. it wasn't like vaginal? Yeah, yeah. that might, right. you might need to bleep that out. I don't know. But, no, like, no, you're good. But like, was that, and I remember asking Pastor Booth and he was like, he had no idea how to answer the question. Poor guy. It was like a teen event. We were like at a beach, like at like some kind of <laughs> lake. And like everybody is like having fun playing. And I'm like, Pastor Booth, I need to talk to you. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, like, let's go talk. So I'm like, hey, so I got raped as a kid. Like, does that mean I'm not pure? And he's like, like what? <laughs> and, uh, but like, you know what? He like gave me the best answer he could, but he didn't try to say like things are going to work out. I'm like, hey, man, that stinks. Like, I don't know, you know, but like, we're going to be there for you, you know, like. That's, my that's probably was, the problem of us yeah, calling all sexuality yeah, purity. The, yeah. And the, treating it like one sexual act yeah, makes it impure forever. Yeah. The IFB, by the way, provided, and like conservative Christianity, provided a very good structure for me compared to my childhood. And that it was really healthy for me to like, like the rules helped. Like even like some of these overboarding rules helped. Things like song music has helped a lot. Um, if you have never listened to NF, or like you, I'm sure you have other songs, but like for me, NF has been like a very um, healthy like way for me to. Music has been a very healthy way for me to express my emotions, and that like listening to someone else like talk through anger and talk through things. Like sometimes as a victim, we think like they like try to like bottle up these things and like paint this like face like I'm okay, and then like they explode and just blow their life apart. Because they never dealt with it. They never actually got over it. They just were told that they have to be strong and they just had to get over it without any actual like healing to get well, over it. Well, actually processing. Yeah. It's right. like, yeah, they, like, they, get, they still have a stab wound, but it's just like, you're fine. Like, brush <laughs> it off and keep walking. If like, you don't look at it, yeah, you won't yeah, bleed. <laughs> eventually you're going to die Like if nobody takes care of it. Um, I know for me, this is like super random. I'm kind of like ranting at this point, but Moon Knight, that show on Disney Plus not a sponsor, <laughs> it was incredible. There was a moment, if you have not watched Moon Knight, skip over the next five minutes because I'm going to spoil it. Um, there was like, it was like second or third to last episode. They're, they're dealing with this kid who gets, you know, the main character is abused by his mom or whatnot. And he's like ugly crying. And I'm watching it and I'm ugly crying, you know, because like all of this abuse and all this stuff and he's taking it and the main character looks and like grabs him and he's like, Mark, it's not your fault. You were just a kid. You didn't know. Um, <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing. I'm going to try not to cry. But he's like, you didn't know what you were doing. And like during that moment, I remember it was like I listened to that and I like it brought me back to when I was like eight and like ha- asking my rapist to rape me because I thought it was normal and like, there's been like guilt, like my, because I was a messed up kid. Like, why would I do that? What was wrong with me? Am I like disgusting and like ruined and like to hear and like to actualize even in my own mind, like you were just a kid. You had no idea what you were doing. Like things like that, getting over, like working through big problems, like questioning, seeking out problems of evil, making good friendships and people who I can actually trust and depend on. There is healing. Like, there is enough to where, like, you could get on a podcast, maybe, and, like, talk about it. And, like, and, like, and there is, like, to say, like, to say you're just hopelessly bound by these things and that you're just, like, your life is forever doomed because of this one thing when you were a kid. Listen, it wasn't your fault. 
it wasn't your fault. You don't have to be determined by that. And you shouldn't be determined by that. And anybody who wants to put you in a structure where they said, like, that's it. That's that's the course of your life. I will beat the crap out of you. know, like, <laughs> just tell me who it is. Like, I will fight them, and you'll fight them with me. We will fight them. Like, <laughs> right now. me in the middle like, of your fights I'll now? I'll fight on site. You know well, what I'm okay, saying? Like, right. it's good. <laughs> so I have to go hood in here. <laughs> uh, so what we, okay, real quick, though. Go like, ahead. I want to talk about this for a minute. Like, we're, cause, yeah, yeah, sorry. Well, I know we're, we're, we're getting a little shorter on time, so I wanted to make sure we kind of we've honed in on this. But th- So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you're a kid, yep. you know, you're a kid. You can't help it. Yep. Right, you were just a kid. You don't know half the things that you know now as an adult, and you realize as an adult how many of those things negatively impact you. And of course, the emotional problem of evil is really having a good answer and a good structure for that, right? But then there's the victim culture thing, and I wanted to quickly explore this for a minute because you and I have talked about this a yeah. lot. What happens with, with a lot of kids, and I see this a lot in like the ex-IFB crowd because that's a part of my ministry. Uh, a lot of people have been abused. What ends up happening is that they are like, I was abused. This person was a narcissist. I was molested. I was this. I had this. And they always have all the reasons for it. And all they're always ever posting is like, you're seeing it all the time. Like people posting like, these are the warning signs of gaslighting. These are the warning signs of this. Don't let this happen to you. Oh, I can't get over this. And, and then all, and it's constant turmoil that they're always having. Always having. Now, granted, I get it to a degree where you're trying to process some things, but at the same time, our culture today has actually done something that is strange, which doesn't sound like it should be a bad thing, but it ends up being a bad thing. So one of the biggest problems with being abused is that there's an imbalance of power. Mm. right? So you have somebody who is bigger than you, stronger than you, or an authority over you abusing that power over you, right? So there's an imbalance of of power. But now we've done this weird thing in our culture where if you're a victim of something or you've been oppressed, you have all the power and all the say-so, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't get to tell me, like, I've been, like, for example, I'm talking pro-life issues, right? If I'll talk pro-life, you don't get to talk about that. I'm a rape victim. You're really going to tell me as someone who's been raped that what, and suddenly we now have done this other thing. We've created another power imbalance, but with victims. Yeah, we're not there, the gaslighters, and they're the... Right, and it's like, you see that, you're like, oh my gosh, we have, instead of like, no, no, this is healthy, Mm -hmm. no one gets to do that to somebody else, and now what you're using is you're using your abuse to have power over other people, and it's it's weird because you can almost tell these people, it's like like crack for them, because what ends up happening is that now they have power for the first time. And what you start seeing is that these people, when they have power for the first time, it's terrifying because they're almost as bad as their abusers. So that, like I said, statistically, abused people become abusers. Right. The, what happened was when you were a kid, someone took power over you. Now you're overreacting and you are going to take power over. It's the same cycle that per- right. perpetrates itself over and over again. And also, you're right, there's a, there's a, a lack of healthy authority or like a lack just because – there's always someone, by the way, that's gonna have a worse story than you. Like, mm-hmm. when, like sometimes, like when I get into a room, like people will like will crack jokes about like their trauma, and then like when usually when I start talking, like I usually like in the average room, I beat that person. You like, <laughs> like if we're comparing the size of fish, we'll keep it PG. My fish is the biggest in average rooms. However, I know. That if you leave, like, if you stay in the United States, and especially if you leave the United States, this is, like, my, my case, there's always going to be, I mean, 
There's always going to be someone who had it worse than you. There's always going to be someone that experienced more than you. I mean, there's always a bigger yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, Qui Gon. The, uh, theoretically, I was about to say theoretically, there's like one person in the earth that's like literally there's no one that did more like that had more crap happen than than me. Like so, somewhere out there, whoever that poor guy or girl is, sorry, like you don't get to relate. But unless you're that guy, there's always someone with a worse story than you. Like, and you don't want to be the like. Yeah, don't be like almost like victim. The the badge of like I'm a victim can give you pride of like I went through crap and now I'm better than everyone else. It doesn't make you better than everyone else. First of all, it means that you're really gonna have to work on humility, um, in that you're gonna have to like seek out friendships and be the broken person for a while and like be the healing person. If you had a stab wound, you don't just to be like okay, well that means I get to stab people now. You know like. No, you need to lay in a hospital bed, get sewn up. We're, we're really on this analogy. Take it, take yeah, it real yeah, easy. Yeah, take it real easy, <laughs> heal up. And now, like, maybe you could be the person, instead of, like, doing the power imbalance, for me, um, and for me, it's become a very much of, like, a I want to make sure, as much as in my power, that I can help people either avoid those things or like people who have gone through that kind of thing. You're not helping anybody by over abusing your power and just wallowing in how terrible you're. Right. Like, yeah. Because what you have to do, because this is something I've said before, like seek the help, do whatever you need to do. But really what it comes down to, the way you have to do it, is you have to have a certain mindset about it. And what it comes down to is, uh, and my brother talks about this on his podcast all the time, Rising Above, right? Rising Above with David Hess, plug. All right. But what it comes down to is you have to have a different mindset. I've been through crap. Confront it. Number one step, confront it. Head on. Right. Like, admit it. This is what happened to me. Yep. You know, so many people will not admit when they've been abused. They won't admit the truth of what happened. They'll excuse their abusers or whatever. Nope. Admit what happened. Yep. And also, for me, that was healthy is like, this is where I want to be. Like, right. Yeah. Like, this is what happened to me. And this is what I want to like, this is how I want to get over it. Or like, this is, I recognize. Like, let's go back to the analogy. Because analogies are so nice. I got stabbed. I want to heal. Like, this is what happened to me. This is what needs to happen for me to, right. like, not be a victim anymore. Right. Well, then the other... So then what we need to do after that... So once you identify it and you confront yeah. it, this is the reality. Yeah. This is what I've been through. Then in all your power, you have to find a way to forgive. Now, a lot... Of, that's unpopular nowadays. Because here's the other thing. We... Whenever anyone screws up, what do we what do we do? We joked around at, at six times probably in this episode about being canceled, mm -hmm. right? We want to cancel them. They're unforgivable. That what they did was so heinous, you can't forgive them. But here's the reality: you can forgive them, and you ought to, because when you forgive them, it's a releasing of the debt. Yeah. Because here's the thing: they owe you a debt. That's the whole point, right? They wronged you. They owe you a debt, which means that you have a hole because there's a debt, right? Yep. If you you're waiting for that debt to be paid. Uh, yeah, and but you can't. So what you have to do is you have to let go and you must forgive. Yeah. yeah. Now, Pete, by the way, this is not a this is not a popular thing in, in Christianity and even among like I just saw um I just saw something in Trinity, like the the Trinity Radio like group on Facebook where it's like uh, for me to forgive someone it requires repentance. That's a very like that's a very common thing you'll hear people say. In order for like true forgiveness, you like you need to be apologized to, and there needs to be repentance. And therefore, I will never extend that forgiveness until that happens. That's a very unhealthy way 
Yeah. Instead, it's rec- yeah. I say the repentance yeah. thing is that's what brings reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. It was like let's just like take the picture of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I can't think of any bigger way to like show somebody that I've forgiven them to be like the people in the entire planet who have wronged me in gross ways and are about to wrong me by killing me and everything that they're going to do afterwards. And Jesus doesn't say, when the entire world repents, then I know I'll forgive them and I'll just do this. In fact, Jesus yeah. on the cross said, yeah. Father, forgive them. They yeah, know not what I, they, they do. They forgive them, I know. And he gave his life for a people who wanted to murder him in that moment. Like, right. And yet, and yet we make these crazy high standards of like, yeah, exactly. Like, well, I can't forgive this guy until... Like, chances are, unless like some crazy scenario happens in which one of you listeners knows that guy, Adam, that I'm talking about, I might never get to see that guy again. Does that mean I'm going to hold this like this cloud over my head and over his head, you know, that like, like basically what I'm doing is I'm, I just hit the mic. I'm like chaining myself to my abuser Mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to drag you with me for the rest of my life. And then you wonder why these people don't get over it, right? Because they can't, because you are, you are still latched. You're lashed under. There's a reason why Jesus in Matthew 18 talks so much about the power of forgiveness. And so you have to. And it's a very unpopular thing nowadays. It's like, and I, I was actually told by uh, some old friends of mine that uh, my view of this is toxic to victims. And I'm like, as a victim, I can tell you right now, I see the way how healthy you are or unhealthy you are and, uh, and versus how healthy other people are who are taking the advice I'm giving. And uh, I will say that I'll take the healthy advice every time. You have to confront it, admit it, forgive and then you know what you need to do? You need to start putting in th- things into place to move forward and mm-hmm. then to create strong relationships with some people and then start investing into other people and helping them yeah. on their journey. Yeah, do so, yeah, invest in other people. You know, make strong relationships. You're probably going to be drawn to people that have similar backgrounds. I do not relate well to people with like normal backgrounds. I'm just going to be honest. I didn't like I don't have anything to say like I'm friends. With, I've got a lot of friends with broken people. I've got, you know, transgender friends. I've got homosexual friends. I've got abused friends and stuff. And it's because, like, I I understand. You know, I'm gonna reach out to them. And then I've got people who've healed and stuff. And there's a there's a, when people who don't trust anybody learn to trust each other. That's like that could be a beautiful thing. Right. Or like, you know what? That's another healthy thing. Get a hobby. Like. You know, like right. do get, get an your, outlet. Yeah, get a yeah some outlet for me. Like I know I do a lot of calisthenics and working out. It's when I get upset and stuff. It can be very easy for me to like, even now, like as someone who's like healed and like grown and, and like sometimes I just get like angry and like I'm mad and I'm like you know what I just need to hit something or like I'm just mad and I want to yell. Well, like I've got a three year old. That doesn't give me because I was a victim, give me the right to be a jerk to my toddler. Right. Like I've got a heavy bag in my shed. I beat the crap out of that thing sometimes. Like and it's good. Like I'm afterwards I'm like, that was a good thing. I'm gonna go like take a shower and like do something fun. Be angry and sin not. Exactly. So I took it out on that bag. Yeah. Well here but the, the other thing I, I wanna say is like Ven- like this vengeful idea. Yeah. Like this person wronged me, so I'm going to keep going after them until I get my f- my pound of flesh or until I'm satisfied. So what happens is that you see this, and you see this all the time in victim culture. People wallow in it. They keep attacking the people they think are the uh, their, their oppressors or who were actually their yeah. oppressors, right? Some of them it's true, some of it's not. Uh, or some of it's overblown. Mm-hmm. 
So you see that they don't want to forgive. They don't want to move on. And in fact, if you even mention that, that suddenly you're a toxic monster. And it's like, no, you have to find a way to rise above that stuff and then use your experiences to empower you. And that's one of the biggest things I, I can say. Like I look at my life and go, the amount of things I've been through, the things I experience on an everyday basis, no, I, I, I'm fine. Also, in fact, not only am I fine, um, but I'm better than what I was. So I don't need to wallow in those things. Yeah. So like, for instance, <laughs> for instance, um, you like, like in the last year to two years, my family in the last little bit, even when I was living in that uh, sensitive nation, like we've gone through a lot of transition in my life. Like my family has gone through a lot of transition from my wife's like crazy depression um, to like starting deputation array support to uh, like having a huge episode with my former sending church and all that entailed. And then even recently being like um, having left my church and going to a new church, even recently being attacked in the RFP. Um, I'm just going to say, uh, by the way, just because you left a, like one toxic environment, like, like the IFB does not mean that other places that are against them are also equally healthy. Um, Facts. I've had a lot of problems with the RFP, um, mainly because I'm friends with Will and because I love spicy memes. Uh, some <laughs> of them with the spicy memes. Uh, but like, but yeah, you know, like I've, I've dealt with a lot of crap just because of the RFP. Um, you know, things like calling my pastor to try to get me fired and all these kind of things, you know, or like complaining about me or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, I mean, they were running around saying that I said that I hated victims. I said, no, I yeah. hate victim culture, but they wanted to take a spin on it. Right. That's what happens. Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for a minute. Which, also, that's an irony here yeah. that they went after you, tried to get you uh, dropped as a missionary and make you look bad as a missionary. When one of their first episodes was uh, with a missionary talking about how horrible it was that people went after him as a missionary. I just can't help but find the sweet, sweet irony in that. Yeah. Can we just not go after people and go after yeah. people's yeah, jobs? Let's, let's just, you know, it's, but like, I, I, you know, as I'm telling this story, because like, I didn't know if I was going to bring up the RFP. Um, don't recommend that podcast, by the way. Actually, if you're like struggling with legalism, listen to like the first few months, then just back away. You know, just because <laughs> it's about to go downhill. Yeah, just. Um, but otherwise, um, I, I had to remember why I started there. Um, but like dealing with all that, sometimes I can look back, just like you were saying, and be like, you know what? Like this thing with like my former church, that sucked, but it wasn't rape. So like, if I could get over that as like a ten-year-old, a sixteen-year-old, this isn't that bad. Right, and that, um, but that's part of that conquering yeah. mindset. Because if you say you're a victim of something all the time, you keep saying I am and a everything victim. Everything builds. Everything is right. like you're becoming burdened until one day you're just gonna die, you know, or you're right. gonna collapse, or you're so, gonna end it. So that's why I say like I, I'd rather I, I, it's as cliche and goofy and cheesy as it sounds. Instead of a victim mentality, I try to have a victor mentality, yeah. where it's like I want to conquer. You just the gotta thing. shake it off, right? I, like you got it. Like I gotta conquer it. I gotta look at it. I gotta face it down. Admit what happened, and then forgive, and then even tell the person i love you and i forgive you mm -hmm. those that's a powerful release and i mean my dad and i we've had some really raw conversations with things that have happened in the yeah. past but we've come to terms with it you know yeah. and it's a powerful thing and people but the, here's the problem is that we're also saying that again our abusers don't deserve forgiveness like that's what we're saying nowadays in victim culture yeah. so like where is you know like where is the line that we draw that where's the line that jesus draws for forgetting like if jesus was able to forgive everything 
Like, and Jesus Jesus calls us to that level of forgiveness. Just want to affirm that I've had conversations with my parents. Our relationship is healthier. Uh, We've confronted a lot of this stuff. Um, You know, yeah, there is power in that. Like, recognizing, it's not wrong to say, like, I know what my abusers did to me. Um, But to just, you don't have to wield that power over them. At one point, they, they wielded power over you. Um, show them what they did not show you. Right, resentment poisons. It mm-hmm. really does. Like, and, and that, at first, it felt. What's funny about resentment when you've been a victim is that it, you feel like it gives you power. So it makes you feel so strong. Yeah, you're like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm coming for it. I'm not. No one's ever going to touch me again. But yeah, it gives you this false sense of power and strength, and that you could conquer anything. But the problem is that it just keeps poisoning and poisoning. You never get over because in order to have that resentment that gives you that strength, you have to keep living in what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's why I say all the time, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times thoughts pop in my brain, even now, probably for you too. Yeah. Because it's your it's memory. Memory is a weird thing. It pops in your brain. It kind of flutters away. But when it comes in, there's been plenty of times like it'll come like I it's like nope and I have to make sure I just shove it out like no yeah. more like it's it no longer will have power over me and that's a decision you have to make this will no longer have power over me the cycle stops with me but if the cycle stops with you then you got to stop stop wallowing in it and stop letting that resentment build you have to forgive and let go you have to confront it and then find other people to help yeah. uh what, yeah what would it be like in the future if like people didn't know by like looking at you or like talking to you, like if people didn't know you were a victim, like I remember a distinct moment, like some distinct moments in my life where like, do you remember at Calvary, there was one time some lady, I think it was like a missionary's wife or like some speaker's wife came up to a group of us and was like, man, like you guys are just so blessed. Isn't it great that you all like got to grow up in like Christian <laughs> home? You remember this lady? Yeah, yeah. I don't know who she was, but she like, they got to grow up in like Christian homes, like and never had to go with like some of these crazy stuff that bus kids went through. Like, isn't it great to just be like blessed like that? And I remember like looking, I'm like, I'm a bus kid. Like that is not how my life has been. And she's like, oh, and just like had no response to it. But like, I only say that to say like, by looking at people like us, like if we didn't like share our stories and like try to help people, you wouldn't look at us and be like, wow, that kid must have been gone, going through some like really crappy stuff. You know what I mean? Like there, is, there can be healing enough to where like it doesn't actively affect your life negatively. Right. Well, there's a young, there's a, a young kid that I was helping once and oh, that had been gone, going through a lot of stuff. And it was funny how just being a healthy person in his life made a difference. Mm-hmm. And I know you said, like, there was something you said earlier um, I wanted to quickly circle back to, then we'll, we'll close up shop. Yeah. You had mentioned something to the effect of, like, um, crud, now it's actually escaping me real quick. But, oh, yeah, about, like, just get you know, just pushing aside, not confronting it. You do have to confront it, but there's a point mm-hmm. in time where you have to understand that as an adult, as a person of society and all that, you no longer have the luxury of wallowing. Mm. Yeah. And, like, I have a family. You know, like, I can't just be, yeah. like, like sometimes you watch people who are victims, and this is going to sound, like, really. Like, with kids and everything, yeah. and it's, like. Yeah, and then, like, they let their life fall apart. They, like, give up their jobs. They don't care. They neglect their family. And, listen, those experiences of neglect and something, like, my parents didn't fail me because, like, they punched me. Or they, like, I know your, like, family situation is different. My parents' situation 
wasn't like caused because my parents were abusive. My parents' situation was caused because they had traumatic situations in their life and they did not deal with it. Right. And that caused in my life a worse situation than they had ever experienced. What right. you, by not dealing with your with your trauma, you could end up creating a worse trauma for your kids. Do you want to be that story that your kids tell? Because you didn't deal with your problems. And what you have to tell yourself is that you are strong enough. Yeah, you are. You are stronger. You're better than that. You are not what happened to you. You are what you are what the choices that you make. Yeah. So you have to make the choices yeah. to get over yeah. these things and to and to empower yourself to be able to do that. And then that way, if you're experiencing this and you have children and everything, it allows you to be able to push it to the side so you can focus on being a good parent. Yeah. And then if you know what, if you need to go to your room later on and hit a reset button for a second, do it. Yeah. But you have to start, but part of this, one of the biggest issues with abusers is that abusers aren't disciplined. They haven't disciplined their emotions. They haven't disciplined their urges. And so you have to discipline those for you, yeah. yourself. And you also, a big thing, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to take too long on this, but like the, the I, you had mentioned something like you are not um, what happened to you. Like you said, like, your identity becomes very integral into this process. Mm -hmm. You are not a rape victim. You are not a you know, abuse, you are not, when you become a Christian, well, first of all, you were created, the Imago Dei, you were created in the image of God, and that was not taken away from you. That right. did not change. And when you become saved, you know, when you become a Christian, you your whole identity should shift. This is the problem, you guys, I remember you had the interview with that one, uh, the girl you flew out here. Um, oh, Brandy, know, yeah. Yeah, Brandy, and she said, like, that the, her problem was that like her identity was in this LGBTQ stuff mm -hmm. and she had to learn to change her identity into, and that identity, like just pick any identity. It doesn't have to be LGBTQ. If you replace that identity and that image of God with whatever that trauma was or whatever that distraction is or whatever that lack of discipline is, that will destroy you. And you know what? This sort of advice that we're giving here is not only empowering to victims, but also to abusers. It allows abusers to be like, maybe I can actually get over this urge I have. Maybe I can get over this rage that I have where I want to hit things. Maybe I can get over these sexual yeah. urges I have. Maybe we could stop this. Maybe it doesn't have to be 75%. Maybe right. it could stop. You or know? maybe I maybe I can stop redoing the cycle. I've been doing the cycle, but maybe I can get off this, this crazy hamster wheel and I can stop. Like mm -hmm. you have, so if you, these people like abused and abusers, you understand the power of the gospel, that you are creating the image of God, that God loves you, and that he died, and that Jesus Christ died and resurrected to destroy the very thing that beset you, which was your sin and death and mm -hmm. Satan's captivity. If you could, if you understand that, and you understand your value as a person, that you're not what happened to you, that you're not what you've done to people, that you are a child of God, that is something that can change your life mm -hmm. and can to completely empower you to something else. And that is kind of what this comes down to. Now, I know we went on some rants about Calvinism and all that, but I want you guys to understand that that's kind of more the heart here, which is what, so, but that I think also knowing what we're just saying now, I think that's another reason why you and I are so adverse to Calvinism mm -hmm. because we're like, no, no, you have to make choices in order to get over this. Yeah. It wasn't predetermined. You had to make choices. God is not giving, God can give you strength. He can give you grace. He can do all those things. But in the end, you have to make those choices. Yep. I think you and I all, it, yeah, it does tie together. It, right. It is integral to the whole concept. Right. Yeah. Because instead of God d determining this for part of his plan, it's God is 
evil is possible in a world with free creatures, and he created us free because he created mankind free and said it was good, and God does not create bad things. So freedom is good. His creation was good. God could not have created a better world, right, because could he create anything gooder? Like, no. So he created the best world he could make, right? And then you... When you understand that, then the the identity that you take within him and you go, no, I can do this. I can forgive my enemies. Because you know what? It takes more strength to forgive your enemies than to hold on to resentment. Resentment's easy. That is like the most base human experience ever. That's easy. Forgiving your enemies and moving moving on from that, that's courage. That's hard. And But also, this is a weird thing. I think you agree with me. When you have those conversations with those people and you forgive them and you say it to their face eye to eye – it is also, even though it's hard, and it's hard to lead up to it, but once you do it, it is actually the most gratifying feeling you'll ever have in your life. It's very freeing. Like, it, when everything, like, you know, hits the fan and, like, it gets out in the open, that's what allows you to, like, be able to reconcile. Like, and sometimes that gives them the courage to change, too. Like, or it gives them the courage to own up to their own failures even by, even if they don't like some don't like don't take this as like well if I do this like if if I input X Y is gonna happen like they may never apologize or you may never but yeah but being if you get a chance to confront it does it it release uh, relieves a weight you don't have to tiptoe around issues anymore and it gives you the courage to do something like come on a podcast to talk about it to like you know when when things are on the open. And when things are discussed and dealt with and stuff, you can finally be in a position to where you can help others. Right, exactly. So, and uh, and that's that's totally different than the retributive uh, mindset people have today. And I, I can tell you guys, it's healthier, and and that's got to be the goal. And like I said, I've been told it's a toxic view that, but I hate victim culture. I absolutely hate it. As a victim, a quote unquote victim myself, I I've, I'm actually a victor over all the things that have happened to me. But you got to get over it. You got to. Like, again, no matter what you seek, seek whatever counsel you need. But that's got to be the goal is to get over that hump, yeah. to get past it, to get. And the whole reason why you want to get over it is because you want to get out from under it. Right. Mm, yep. You that, you want that cloud gone. You want its power gone from over you. So anyhow, um, with that being said, do you have anything you really want to quick add here at the end? I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm sure this is like an open thing. You've said it before. But like if any of you are like. Like, now, if you're going to screech us, you're going to screech us. That's fine. But, like, if any of you are like, listen, like, I don't have anyone to talk to. Like, I don't have, like, or, like, there was something similar. Something I said is, like, yeah, I understand. Like, I would love to, like, talk about that. Or so if you don't know me, what the cool part is is, like, if I don't know you, then you don't have to be, like, em- as embarrassed. Because it's not, like, talking to your pastor or, like, to your right. If you just wanted to, like, talk or, like, vent or even just, like, cry or anything, like, and you thought that, like, I or, you know, or will could help you. And obviously my information is a little bit more sensitive, but if you were to contact the church split and you're like, Hey, I'd love to get in touch with Vincent, like, and I could be a help to you in any way. I would love to help you like make those steps right. towards like a healthy mentality. And I'll plug for you, plug you here. If you guys want to support their mission work financially, because it has actually been kind of fun to watch your guys' journey as you guys have fought so many different things and all the turmoil you've experienced. But now to see you guys like so anchored, it's pretty cool. Like to see where, you know, where, where your wife was like such in turmoil about the problem of evil. And now she's at peace with things because mm-hmm. she, uh, there's a better understanding of these things. Um, it also goes to show why apologize, apologetics is important and theology is important because if you don't have a good theology or a good apologetic, it can spin yeah. people out. Yeah. And it can mess you up in your healing process. Like, mm-hmm. like I explained, like that's why we brought up Calvinism so much is that it does matter 
how you answer those big questions um, is going to affect your healing journey if you're a believer. Right, and which is why, again, why I think, uh, just to reiterate before we close, that's why we I, I push so hard against that because it's like once I started studying it, understanding it, I was like, whoa, those implications are not good. Like, you know, those that's not yeah. good. I'm not, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> like, I, that's really not yeah. okay. Um, and here's the best part about what I just said there. Um, if Calvinism is not true, then it really isn't okay. If it is true, I was predetermined to think that anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, so wow. anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> got him. All right. So anyhow, guys, I really hope this can be, uh, I, this was a very raw conversation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it was, it was raw, man. Um, but I hope that this could actually help maybe give you courage to have your own similar conversations because I think one of the biggest things is that we need to bear one another's burdens. We can't bear one another's burdens if we're not open about each other's burdens, right? So we have to talk about burdens. Mm -hmm. And if you have a burden and you want to share it, talk to somebody, okay? Feel free to reach out to us. We'll see what we can do um, We'll if we can't get in touch with somebody. But we have to find a way to do that, right? So anyhow, guys, um, and also, if you have suffered from abuse, please understand that we're not trying to say that you should feel bad about being a victim. I, I don't want you guys to think that, but... Instead, I want you guys to be better because I know you're better. I know you, I know the strength that victims have because in order to go through crap, you have to survive and you have to be a survivor and you can get through it. You can overcome these things. Probably you're better equipped to like overcome these than people who've never gone through hardship. Exactly. So I am telling you, and if you're going through something now and you can't escape from it, know this, life can get better. You don't have to follow through with a lot, a lot of those negative things. And you can forgive your enemies. You can do it. And you can get through this. And you can conquer. Mm -hmm. And so don't wallow in it. Don't, don't, don't be consumed with self-pity. That doesn't do well. And don't shake your fist at God because God's not the one who made that decision. People are making those decisions. They're free creatures making those decisions. And that is why there is a judgment. That is why sin is a thing. That's why God brings solutions to the problem of sin. And you can be the redemption within your own circle. Mm. Um, I, I can actually say that through my journey, I have helped my own family members through their journey. Because I took, a, I started marching forward, and it gave some people in my family the courage to start doing the mm -hmm. same. Yep. You know. So anyway, with that being said, guys, like and subscribe to the Church Split. If you'd like to support Vincent and his ministry as they go off to this um, restricted country, please email us at thechurchsplit at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to get you in touch with how you can do that. Otherwise. Um, well, let us know what you guys think about victim culture. And I apologize for anyone who got really uncomfortable in this. But at the same time, I think some of this stuff needed to be said. But I'm definitely going to have to click on the option before I upload, the, upload this that this contains adult content. Yeah, so. definitely contains <laughs> adult content. So anyway, guys, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for hanging out with us and listening to us rant and ramble as old friends. This is it's cool yeah. when we get to do this. I know. So. I wish I could be on here more. Oh, yeah, if I ever too. get kicked out of wherever I'm going... We're doing this. That sounds like a plan. Sorry, Bri Brian. Brian. <laughs> it's just like, I'm coming for you. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, you take care and God bless. See you soon. So we're, hit, we're recording. So um, Tabby will edit the beginning to make it look good. So, all right. Tabby, you suck. Oh, yeah. You haven't seen her this time. I haven't. So she does suck. Yeah. I mean, in gen it doesn't matter, really. <laughs> I just, just hope she edits this and listens enough. <laughs> hmm. No, she will. That's good. Because what'll happen is that she might put it in the blooper reels in the end. Good. Good. She's, she's been she's doing fresh. that.
she is trash, but you know what? She's free as an editor, so here we are. That's true. All right, so shall we? Yep. But I just burped in the camera. <laughs> but my... I shouldn't give me energy drinks. But anyway, like, best case scenario, you know? But, like, in the end, it doesn't... Hey.